podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's been two and a half weeks since our last game week deadline, and as expected, we've learned a lot more information about the upcoming FPL landscape. The FA Cup fifth round draw allows us to predict blank game week 29, while we already know the blanks of Carabao Cup final weekend. I am Mark Jobling, and with me on this fantasy football community FPL podcast is Sam Bonfield from FPL Family. Hi, Sam. How is Lee coping with the shock Jurgen Klopp departure, first of all? Oh, he was super sad. I was away over the weekend and I just got this heartbroken like emoji from him just with the word Klopp next to it. And I actually had a push notification on my phone and I saw it come through and I was like, oh no, he is going to be very upset. And he was, he still is very upset. I think it's, it's the same when you, like when you really love a manager and they've done such amazing things for your club and then they leave, not because they've been fired or anything like that. They just, it's just run its course, you know, and they want to, want to go off um it's difficult and I think then you have the like oh I'm really sad about that and then the fear of who on earth do you get that comes in and it immediately works in the same way that years and years of Klopp have done because in reality most managers who come in take time to bed in right it takes them a long time to kind of settle in get used to the new players restart the process again it's going to be a challenge for Liverpool. Yeah, but this season, I think it's good. I think the rest of this season, they'll be stronger for this. Yeah, it could go one of two ways, couldn't it? When these things normally happen with with such a such notice given four months in this case, it could uh, inspire them. I think it will. I think I think it will inspire them, and I think you know, you listen to the, what they were saying, even their reaction in the cup against Norwich. I just think that they are. They're wrong good form anyway. I think this is added added motivation for those players to go, right, look what an amazing manager Klopp has been for our club. Let's end it in style. Because last season, had he went at the end of last season, it would have felt like a damp squib after an amazing career at Liverpool to go out in the way that Liverpool had a poor season last year. Whereas this year, still in the Europa League, leading the Premier League in the FA Cup, made it to the League Cup final. Feels like it's going to be a good year for Liverpool. And I think players will want to make sure that it is a good year by the time that Klopp is no longer the manager. Yeah, and that could ultimately affect our FPL decisions over time. Massively. Um, In what feels like a long time ago, we made Mm -hmm. similar decisions ahead of Game Week 21, actually. I looked at our team. So we both bought Estepinian. Yeah. uh, Both mistakenly Captain Saka. Yeah. And I benched an Aston Villa clean sheet in Esri concert. Mm. And you, and I'm really nervous about bringing this up. Oh, don't mention the keepers, Mark. Once again. Oh, I'm starting man. Every single week. I just cannot get it right this year. Every every week, it's the same. And even this week, like ahead of 22, I'm looking at my team going, I don't know who to play. They're both at home. I've got Ariola going up against Solanke. I've got Martinez going up against Gordon. So what? Uh, there's no win here. Like I just, I, whichever one I eventually decide to play is probably going to be the wrong one. At the moment, I'm playing Ariola because I think with the transfer that I'm planning to make, I'm probably going to have to bench one of my attacking assets. And I think I'd rather bench Solanke over benching Gordon, although that feels 
also a bit of a difficult dilemma to be going through. But therefore, if I'm benching Solanke, I'll play Areola in the hope of a West Ham clean sheet. Whereas I kind of feel like with Gordon, it's always scope there for a goal from him. It's interesting because I guess there's a split in managers. If they have a striker going against the defender in their team, some people would, yeah, like commit to one outcome. Mm. like Solanke, Blanken, or some people, some managers might like both of them and say, well, one of them should produce. So yeah. it's interesting that you're like, you're more a manager who will commit to one scenario. I think it was a... get hurt twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twice, uh, once bitten, twice shy, but the opposite. I think, um, I think if it was a defender, so for example, if I had Kieran Trippier and, um, you know, Ollie Watkins, I'd be more inclined to play them both because there's always the potential for that attacking return coming out of the defender as well if the clean sheet goes. Whereas when it comes to playing an attacker versus the goalkeeper, it's kind of like, well, if the clean sheet goes, then you might get some save points. And then who do we think is most likely to pick up save points, I guess, is the next the next then thought is like who's getting the extra top up points potentially. It's quite hard. The the goalkeeper situation hurts me every single week. Every week I get it wrong. Uh, I'm at a point of maybe just pulling it out of a hat until we get to a wild card. When I wild card, I'm just going to go for one premium goalkeeper and have Turner as my second and just be done with it because I can't I can't cope with the constant decision making around the goalies. It's mental how much time I spend thinking about my goalkeeper every week. It's madness. Yeah. And at the moment, there's already so many, like with, with captaincy, a genuine question every week now, there's there's quite a lot of questions already going on in mm. terms of you know, Man City players and what to do with Salah and things like that and, and captaincy. And, and to, on top of that, I think of goalkeepers as well. There's just not <laughs> enough time, is there? So No, there isn't. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because you're kind of looking at your teams and, you know, you want to be spending, or I want to be anyway, spending my time looking at, you know, the weakest points in my team and trying to make changes there and thinking about that and then thinking about the goal, the goalkeepers is like, should be at the bottom of the priority list. But at the moment, because it's such a thing now, I kind of every week I'm like properly spending time looking at it to try and get it right by looking at the underlying numbers, looking at the players that they're going to come up against. And I'm still getting it wrong every week. So I'm kind of like, if on the weeks where I wasn't really thinking about it, I'd still bench the wrong one. In the weeks where I've really committed and thought really hard about it, I've still benched the wrong one. In the weeks where I've just let the fixtures play it, I've still, like nothing has worked. So I don't know. I I think moving back to just having a set and forget goalkeeper is probably what I should do. But it's the sort of thing nobody's going to do at the moment. You're not making goalie transfers when you've got other issues in your team. It's going to have to be a wildcard thing. Yeah, they're both traders. Um, but actually, for me, one of the frustrating things about the game week was sort of started Jared Bowen just in case he was past fit yep. for Sheffield United, but didn't think he actually would. So when Konsa, uh was first sub and he got that clean sheet in the first weekend, I was thinking, okay, there's still a good chance that he'll come in. And he didn't, and Bowen blanked. It was just the scenario that kind of saw coming, unfortunately. Yeah, annoying one. He didn't want to do in the end. But at least... Um, the Richarlison and his opinion transfers both went well. And yeah, but Stupinian was a good good transfer in. I was really pleased with that because you know that was one of those that it was like it's not just for this week, it's for the longer term. So the fact that he'd come in 
already banked eight points in that first game. I was like, right, this is nice because now moving forwards, I've got him in place. He's very attacking, hence bonus points. Um, and Brighton are improving a lot defensively. We we didn't have clean sheet for ages and ages and ages. Now we've had a couple. So I think that having him longer term is, is the right thing. And a lot of managers who didn't bring him in last week, I think will be looking now at the fixtures and going, well, there's still a really long period of time to have him. So let's get on that train. So the fact that we've already done that feels like a we're a bit one step ahead on him. Yes, that feels good. And it also felt great to finally get some... Um, had a bit of a tough journey with Gabriel, the Arsenal centre-back all season. Yeah. Um, rotations and bench points, etc. So he finally did it in style. 17 points here. Although... Um, now flagged. Hmm? Now flagged, though. Now flagged, yeah, yeah, that, that that's slightly irritating, as was the announcement that he's now officially being given the given second the goal. goal. But FPL, it's still down as an own goal, which, of course, also is rubbish from a Saka point of view because he would have got an assist. Yeah. Um, in real life, he's got an assist, but in FPL, he doesn't. And that's five blanks and six matches for him. Mm. So captaincy was a real struggle going into this weekend, and, and we, we did both go for Saka. His underlying stats are pretty good for these six games, actually. He is sort of like number two for shots, number three for big chances, but he just keeps blanking. So, I don't know, heat maps look similar. It's a tough one, though, because could you really commit to sort of giving up on Saka because he's so highly owned as well? Yeah. Saka's one of those, isn't he, where it's like you look at the underlying numbers, they look good, actually, and and if you compare them to... This time last season, he for a lot of the areas, he's running higher after 21 fixtures than he was last time around. However, I watch Arsenal play and I feel like they're quite hit and miss. Like the eye test isn't always there. They some like apart from the game last time out when you know they absolutely ran riot against Crystal Palace, they haven't looked like doing that for a long time this season. And when I watch Saka specifically, he's often being kind of man-marked out of the game by two of the opposition players. Because I think your position at quite early on have realised that if you take Saka out of the game, that does blunt somewhat the Arsenal attack. Plus, we haven't had the same level of finishing quality that we had from Arsenal last time around. So forwards not really returning on the chances that are being created, which has had an impact on Saka's assist potential even though the numbers for assist potential are there he hasn't been getting them he's not been scoring goals so that's a frustration as well and I keep looking at him and I think there's a lot I could do with that slot that midfielder slot is valuable and you're expensive you're in the premium side of the midfielder bracket although not you know in the upper echelons of the the Harlan and the Salah bracket but you are still an expensive midfielder to own but as you say, there's that element of, but if I sell you, not only am I taking out a very heavily owned asset and therefore running the risk of him then returning and me not having him, it also leaves me without any Arsenal attackers because my my defender is Saliba and he's not got the same level of attacking threat that Gabriel has, say. So I'd be then relying on Arsenal not scoring very many goals. And given I think that they will be 
I don't think they win the league this year. I think it's Liverpool's, but I think they'll be there or thereabouts. They'll be fighting for second, third, fourth. You know, they'll be pushing all the way to the end. If I think that, then I would want to stay invested in that team because you would expect there to be goals coming out of them. Yeah. Yes, it's tough. And also something else to consider right now is, as well as ownership, we're at that time of the year where because he is playing in game week 26 and sort of guys from Liverpool and Chelsea and Spurs aren't, like, mm. is that even a priority sale? Yeah. No, exactly. And I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, when you're looking at your team at the moment, it's going to be where are, where are the priority fixes? And I don't think that even with the lack of returns, I don't think Saka falls into that that bracket of being like an absolute priority sell unless the whole of the rest of your team is like spot on and you're happy with every other position you've got no issues and you haven't got a man city attacker and then i'd consider selling Saka. but otherwise i just think you're going to have other things you need to do yeah yeah that's it. If, if you managed to just hold the wild card until game week 20 or whatever it was and you've just wild carded you know that that could be the situation you know, you, you could be really strong, but otherwise uh, there's, there's got to be some other fires to put out. Just going to add that the, the reason that Lewis isn't here to discuss FPL is that he's swamped with writing about AFCON and the Asian Cup for our fantasy football community website. So both tournaments have been full of drama and fantasy managers will have plenty of questions heading into the knockout phase. phase and Lewis is answering them. So please check it out on our website. There's been a few interesting teams that have been eliminated already. So Ghana... Algeria, Tunisia, Cameroon. So that means Kudus is coming back for West Ham, yeah. which again could be positive news for, for Jared Bourne mm. owners. Um, South Korea and Japan scraped through their groups. Egypt have been eliminated, but of course this leads us to more Salah because mm. what would have been good news kind of isn't good news because he's still injured. So that early elimination theory was proved right, but he is... According to the Liverpool statement, his muscle injury is much worse than first feared. And his agent gave an unofficial 21 to 28 day timeline. So mm. that really does add, add doubts all the way up to game week 25, doesn't it? And we don't know yet if Liverpool are going to double then, but we do know that 26 is a blank. So it's it's really, it's a tough one. We, we I think we both planned on holding him throughout. Yeah. Has that changed? Yeah, I think it has too. I mean, I... I can't help but feel really frustrated by Salah because I'd made the decision that I thought I would hold him because I just thought if anyone was going to be back earlier, it would be Salah over Sun. And I also thought that Sun could be replaced by another Spurs midfielder. Whereas with the Liverpool midfield, I knew that as soon as Salah was back, I'd want to reinvest in him again. So I just felt that holding him made sense. And then having watched the first couple of games of Egypt, I was like, no, it, it, this is, they're not right. They don't look right. They're not performing that well. Um, then the injury was kind of like, oh. And as soon as he did it, I was watching that game. And as soon as he did it, he was like, no, I can't. And he didn't, we were what, four minutes before half time when that happened, made no attempt to try and run it off or even to go down the tunnel and wait till half time for an assessment before making the transfer. It was like, no, I've got to be substituted and I'm done. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I, I remember saying to Lee, I was like, that feels, that feels like that that's not a quick 
quick injury that feels like he's going to be out for a little while and then of course as you say the agent comes out says 21 to 28 days it's you know transpired he's playing back to Liverpool for treatment uh, on the basis that they can they have better facilities to treat him there than they do where he was with the team so it's hard now because like you say they blank in 26 we don't yet know if there's going to be the double in 25 or if it's going to go somewhere else it's looking more and more likely I think that 25 feels like an obvious choice because they're still in the league cup they're still in the FA cup they're still in the Europa League and weeks are filling up and you know we've got a couple of games to reschedule so it does seem to make sense to have one of them played out in in 25 but let's just see how that goes because of course it's just ahead of that league cup final and whether Liverpool actually want to play a match then so I'm looking at my team I know that Salah's not going to be available at very least 22 23 probably 24 because in reality that's I mean that's all in a week those three those three sets of fixtures just over a week so you know, unlikely that we see him in those. If he's back for 25, do we really expect him to play two games in a week ahead of a League Cup final? Do, would we even expect him to play one full game the week before the Cup final? Exactly. Yeah. So at that stage, I'm kind of like, well, if I'm saying that I, I'm not going to have him for 22, 23, 24, 25, and then he's not available for 26, I might as well sell him, invest in somebody that I know is going to play twice, across that double game week because Man City already have a double game week announcement there. And then at that point, after we get past the blank in 26, maybe I'm in wildcard territory anyway. So maybe at that stage, I'm happy to wildcard him back in then when we know he's fully fit and ready to go for the running. And thanks to the FA Cup draw on Sunday, Liverpool will be at home to one of the championship sides, Watford or Southampton. In the fifth round, so, um, and of course, Maidstone proved that shocks can happen in the cup, but that you know that looks like a decent chance that it'll be a blank twenty nine, yeah, as well as you say, which, um, that is probably going to be around wildcard time. So it does look more and more. I'm sort of with with you on that that we followed the logic and it kind of worked, but it also didn't. And it's a bit annoying, isn't it? Unfortunately, you're going to have to sell. And when it comes to replacements, there is, of course, his teammate, Diego Jota. Mm-hmm. Explosive. He's got all those points against Bournemouth. He's got seven goals, five assists from just 754 minutes this season, which is like eight, eight and a bit full matches. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and of course, Man City, mm. Manchester City assets. Is that where you're thinking? Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I can go to Liverpool just yet. I just feel like until we have some news about what what their double, where their double is going, it, it feels hard to invest in them right now, given we know for sure that they've got a blank. To, so to target a team that's got a blank, when we could also target another really, really good team in Manchester City who don't have the blank and double feels more logical and yes there's more risk there because would expect Jota to get the start and play the 90 minutes and likely be involved but it's a tougher fixture it's against Chelsea so more difficult fixture but more guaranteed minutes and game time but a blank coming up and then I look across at Manchester City and I think okay well nice fixture against Burnley in midweek 
decent run of fixtures actually for them no blank and a double game week a nice double game week in 25 and at the moment I only have Alvarez from Manchester City in my team and I have Alvarez on the basis that he is there as a kind of placeholder for Harlan I don't want to be going into game week 25 with just one Manchester City asset be that Alvarez or Harlan depending upon Alvarez and Harlan's availability at that point because look Pep keeps telling us that different things about Harlan and I no longer know where I am with him. Uh, I don't think anybody really does. I'm not sure Harlan even knows what's up with him at the moment. Like, is he fit? Is he not? But that means I do want somebody else. I want to go twice more on Manchester City so that I'm trebled up by the time I hit that double game week. So doing it this week for Salah makes more sense to me than moving for the Liverpool replacement for him, if that makes sense. Yeah, Uh as as someone here who who doesn't have any Man City um, mm. at all, it just feels like dangerous. Like it's two need to happen straight away. So probably have enough money to bring in Haaland whenever, but also just bring in either De Bruyne or Foden because they're so relentless at this stage of the season. Like last year, Man City there was a spell between February and May where Man City won fourteen of of the fifteen and drew the other, and they've already won three in a row. Yeah, so it's quite feasible that they're going to do it again, and that just adds to the uh, to the reasoning to just get in on that like urgently. De Bruyne is the week's most bought player by far. He's got like over four times the purchases of yeah, uh, it's madness. Palmer, Palmer in second, right? It's just so so far ahead. So between and Foden was similar the week before. So to, to get even one of them might feel like not enough. Uh, because he got well, De Bruyne got his goal and assist in just twenty five minutes at Newcastle, and we know that he's elite. Uh, but, but there's still a chance that Pep will sort of manage his minutes, and he's at an awkward price point. There is both of those things are accurate. He is at an awkward price point. There is a good chance of managed minutes, but we've had like twenty five minutes, twenty five minutes. Like I feel like we're coming up to the point where. Pep will want to push him beyond that 25-minute mark. Now, how far beyond that 25-minute mark remains to be seen. Could it be a he comes on for the second half and plays 45 minutes? Yeah. Could it be that he starts the game and Pep says, you know, let's see how you go in. If we get to half time, and that's enough, then you come off then. If we get to half time and you feel um, okay, then, you, then we try for 60 minutes because it feels like 60 minutes is the next big milestone for KDB's recovery. Mm. And so for me, I'm like, I want a Man City midfielder. I don't think I want Foden longer term. So I do want Man- I do want to have KDB longer term. I want to have KDB in place for the double because I think across that double game week, he could be a really important own. So going for him now, I'm all up for that. And I think that will give me the opportunity to, yeah, all right, you might only get 20... Say he gets 25 minutes at the end of the game again. Well, I'll take KDB for 25 minutes against a tired Burnley side because you know that by that point, Man City will be probably the game is, I would have thought, be done. But they'll still be pushing to increase the goal difference because City aren't one of those teams that just goes, oh, we're 3-0 up, let's just stop. Like They'll keep going and keep attacking because that's their style of play. Yeah, especially this season when it's so close at the top and yeah. every every single goal counts. And you were correct last time when you before the Newcastle game by worrying about Forden's position because as soon as KDB came on against Newcastle, Forden was 
was sort of moved to the right, wasn't he? So that yeah. is unfortunately that like that that prediction does seem to be true. And even if the Bruins minutes are being managed, that might be good for Foden's minutes for the for the short term. But yeah, long term is is he out on the wide out outright? Is he going to be trusted to play centrally alongside the Bruins? There's there's so many questions around that team at the moment. Not just yeah, Ireland. there is. Massively. And Harlan obviously is just another another factor in all of this because it feels like every week he's back. And then there's just a little thing that goes, oh, he's not quite ready. It's like, okay. So he wasn't quite ready on Friday, even to be in the squad. And that's what worried me is that, you know, last week I was saying, on the Q&A with Az for Scout, that I was happy to take another minus four for KDB and Harlan ahead of game week 22 because I was expecting to see some minutes for Harlan against Spurs on Friday evening. Now, that's a big game. That FA Cup game against Spurs is a big game given that Man City have, ahead of that game, they had never scored in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They would have wanted to progress in that competition in the same way that Spurs would have wanted to progress in that competition. That was a big fixture for both teams. And you saw that from the team sheets that the teams put out. You know, both of them wanted to go and win win that game. So the fact that Harlem wasn't even in the squad and available if they needed him for 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game, to me, that was quite telling because then I was like, okay, well, come midweek against Burnley... If you are ready, that doesn't feel like it's going to mean you're ready to start. It feels like it's going to mean, like KDB, you're ready to sit on the bench and maybe come on for 20 minutes here or there. It's hard to read with Pep and Harlem right now. It is very it is very tough. And if, if that's all we get from Pep, that, that sort of quote where he says, oh, you'll get minutes against Burnley, which, which does suggest that. Those of Alvarez, that he's a good captaincy shout against against Burnley really like uh, is that what you're potentially thinking for the armband as well I'm really struggling with the armband I'm really really struggling part of me is tempted to bring in KDB and hand it to him even with reduced minute worries because I just think that he is the way that he plays and the intensity that he plays with in those 20-30 minutes that he gets coming back from injury he's not holding back in those games like he's full-on effort and I think, you know, against a tired Burnley side, if it's half an hour, if it's 45 minutes, he could do he could do more damage than some of my other players that I've got could do in the full 90. Then I've got Alvarez, who, you know, it's the same fixture, it's a nice fixture, but I just don't know if I trust Alvarez with mm. the captain's armband. I would have done six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks ago. I absolutely would have trusted him with the armband, but we're just not quite seeing the same Alvarez that we were a few months ago. Not the same level of returns coming from an FPL point of view. Slightly different positional play and tweaks, depending upon where he puts Foden, where KDB goes. Some concerns about minutes in terms of if Harlan is available to get some minutes, does Alvarez only get 60, 70 minutes? What do, like the, I have I have lots of worries. I have lots of worries about the captaincy. What are you going to do with your armband this week? Um, well, without any 
Manchester City's at the moment. Um, probably, well, probably I'm going to buy one of either Foden or KDB um, mm. and by default give them the armband because out of everybody else, there's nothing particularly standing out in terms of fixtures. You know, Jared Bowen at home to Bournemouth, I don't know if I'd, that's quite captainable for me. Um but I'll sort of sack her away to Forest. We've already covered how maybe the trust has gone a little bit with, with him. So, yeah, well, probably whichever Man City midfielder comes in. Yeah, and I guess it's hard, isn't it? Because uh, Ollie Watkins is another one that I looked at for the captain's armband. Home fixture. And I think, you know, when Aston Villa are at home, you always have to kind of look at it and go, could could I hand the armband there? Could I... Is that a risk too far? But the underlying numbers for Watkins have just dropped off a cliff in the last few weeks. And it's a tough fixture. I mean, it's your boys, it's Newcastle. I'm not I'm not loving the fixture, even though Newcastle defensively have been at sea. I'm not loving that fixture for Ollie Watkins. I don't think there's like three, three goals, four goals for Villa in, in that game. And I think when you're looking at the captaincy arm, you know, the captaincy and, and who you're handing the armband to, you want that, you want those players to be able to give you a, a haul potentially. And I think that this week it feels like everybody I, I look at for the armband, the glass ceiling feels lower in terms of the returns that they might, they might get. Massively. I, I see what you're saying about Watkins because I was going to mention him as well, because I can remember from a Newcastle perspective last season, Newcastle didn't lose that many last season, but probably the most scarring defeat was at Villa Park. It was 3-0 in April. That was probably the most dominated Newcastle had been all season. And Watkins scored twice and assisted in that game. And since then, of course, Villa have got better. Newcastle got worse. So there is sort of a reason to say that he could also haul again against Newcastle. But you're right, there's, there's something about Villa at the moment. It's It's not quite... You know, they just about beat Burnley. They got the draw at Everton. Newcastle have started to win away games, albeit in the FA Cup. So hoping from from, from Newcastle perspective that it's it's a closer game than that 3 0. Um certainly wouldn't be trusting Watkins right now. Um no. at all, never mind as captain. But he's he's behind Saka as the second most owned player. So despite being goalless in four and really not having many big chances. Like the stats there aren't great. Um, he has sort of Sheffield United soon after, and I think he's at home to Forest in blank game week 26. So similarly, the Saka could be like other priorities for managers. Like his form is bad, but mm. with the fixtures and the situation, the landscape right now, he might just have to stick with him. Unless you need him to, to be sold to get Haaland. Some managers might have that thought either this mm-hmm. midweek or at the weekend. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would do it in the middle of the week because I don't think that there's I don't see Haaland starting against Burnley. I don't know about uh-huh. you, but I just think that if he was in the squad for Spurs, then there's there's a chance he's he was in the starting eleven for Burnley. But the way that Ke- Pep has protected KDB coming back from injury, and I get that it's a different injury, and KDB's was very much long term and Haaland's well, I was going to say it isn't long-term, but it has actually been ages since he's last played. Um, not not the same length of time as KDB, though. But, you know, I think the way that they've kind of kid-gloved 
KDB coming back, they've really kind of wrapped him in bubble wrap, protected him. I think that there'll probably be similar scenes with Harlan, some easing back in of minutes rather than a bang, there you are straight back in the team, which is what happens in some other Premier League clubs. Like, you know, you look across at Spurs, Mickey van der Ven back from quite a serious injury. Bang, there you go. You're starting. Start, start in this game and off you go. You've got to play the full 90 minutes. It was the same with Romero. Madison actually did get a little cameo in the FA Cup, but you guarantee he's back in the starting 11 for the game in midweek against Brentford. Pep just doesn't do that with his squad. He, I mean, they have the luxury of a bigger squad anyway that they can deploy. Um, so I just don't think that Haaland starts. And I think if you don't mm. think Haaland starts, you can't really sell a player that you therefore know will be starting to bring him in. Maybe you can do it at the weekend if we see Haaland get some minutes against Burnley. But I wouldn't be selling a guaranteed starter to bring him in in midweek. Maybe not. A couple of... Other strikers are interesting, sort of uh, FPL forwards. Ivan Tony, he's back with a goal and a point to prove with his double game at 25, although the fixtures don't actually look that great. But uh, if, if people really were uh, fed up with Watkins and and, and wanted, to, wanted to sell, Tony could be a, an interesting move. And also Alexander Isak from Newcastle. He's netted in each of the last three. Mm. Premier League games got a couple in the FA Cup at Sunderland, and after this tricky Villa game, it's it's Luton, Forest, and Bournemouth. Which, to be fair, Newcastle lost all three of them in the reverse fixtures, but uh, it still looks like a, a solid run. So there are alternative ways to go that are neither Watkins nor Harland up front. They're definitely, and you know, you you got Tony as well, right? I think Isak's a great shout. Tony, of course, coming back immediately, comes back. Here's the captain's armband. Oh, and there's the goal that everyone was. We were all, we all were expecting it, I think, weren't we? We were all kind of like, oh, no surprise. Tony's back and he's scoring goals. And I look at the fixtures that they have coming up and there's some difficult games in there. Obviously, the Spurs game, there's Man City in there twice. But they're also the sort of fixtures, you know, Tony, he confuses me because he talks about wanting to repay the faith that Brentford have given him one minute. And then the next minute he's talking about wanting to play for a big club. And I'm kind of like, well, what is it? What What is it that you want? And I sort of think it was a, I want to repay the faith that Brentford have put in me this season. And then in the summer, I want to move to a big club whoever they may they may be that comes in for him but I think Tony uses the second part of the the season to really remind everybody what a clinical goal scorer he can be and you know they play my team in midweek but I I think he can score goals against Spurs I think he can do the same against Manchester City their defense hasn't been solid so far this season and there's a double game week in there and there's no blank because they're out of the FA Cup. So it feels like a good opportunity, I think, with players like Tony right now. Yes, and I believe that they are one of, Brentford are one of the two matches that are already guaranteed for 29 as well. Yeah. Um, Burnley versus Brentford is locked in, Fulham versus Spurs. And we're, we're going to get either, depending on Chelsea or Villa's replay, um, one of those yeah, one of their matches is going to be out. So, yeah, he might not have the quality, but he certainly has the quantity. 
um, on the horizon. So that's interesting. Uh, reminder, it manages that the deadline is on Tuesday night, 6 p.m. UK time. I think before we go, it'd be good to mention Spurs now that you're here and James Madison, which you touched on a bit there. He's going to interfere with Porro a bit, isn't he? Set pieces. Oh, so yes, but I don't think as badly as some managers potentially think that he will. I think Porro's delivery from set pieces has been so exceptional in the absence of of James Madison. And they've led to a number of goals over that period. Lots of good creative play from Spurs coming from set pieces. Now, obviously, Madison is our maestro. He's going to be there. He's going to be taking the, the free kicks and all of that good stuff. Do I think that Madison takes every corner back off Porro? No. I don't think he does. I think with the way that Porro has been performing, I'll be astounded if if Postacoglu says to, to Madison, right, you take every corner from now on. I think there'll be sharing of the corners from Porro and Madison over the next few weeks. And so, yes, I think it will have an impact on Porro. He'll take some less because Madison's going to surely take some but I don't think he's going to take none. So I don't think it like destroys him as an asset. I think there's still going to be a plenty of set piece threat there from him. And w- one of my favorite, because Porro has returned in seven of the last 10. So in spite of the lack of clean sheets, he's still just churning out the assists again and again, but yet there's still a sense of underachievement because I found a mm. stat that was um, out of every player to have not scored yet. Porro's taking the most shots. Mm. So yeah. and annoyingly, the one time he has scored, it came in the cup. Yeah. Um, and kept a clean sheet that time as well, didn't he? It was very frustrating. But yeah, he's got all the attacking threat you could want. He's got good goal threat himself. He's just not returning on those numbers. He's got great assist potential, which he has been returning on. With Van der Ven and Romero back in the center of defense, the opportunity for clean sheets will improve again because Spurs were solid. They were solid defensively at the beginning of the season. There were regular clean sheets and we're back with that back four now of, of Udogi and Porro with Van der Ven and with Romero, with Vicky behind. So I think it's the it's a great back line now again and it's secure. And as those two get more match fitness coming back from their injuries, I think it makes the clean sheets more likely. And that only appeal adds to Porro's appeal. Add the set piece threat, which I don't think he loses entirely. And I just think that he remains a really, really, really good fantasy asset. And when it comes to James Madison, look, I think, you know, you know what you're getting with James Madison. It's what we had in the early part of the season. He just, he started the season so incredibly well under Postacoglu. And he was, I think I'd argue that he was the most consistent of all of the FPL players he was the most reliable of all of the players that we could pick in that early part of the season Madison was like he was up there so consistent returning regularly performing really well and then obviously the injury has had a huge impact on those numbers and we've not had him for a long long time he's now under 10% owned again he's back down at like 8.1% ownership cheaper as well now he's back at 7.8% so uh, sorry 7.8 million so you know You've got an opportunity, I think, to invest in 
the creative force at Spurs at a time where the rest of the team are also coming back from injury. So obviously Benton calls there, Pepe Sar and, and Basuma still away at, at AFCON, but eventually they'll come back in. That will re-strengthen the midfield out again. We've brought in Werner. That's another another opportunity to kind of cover out while Sun is gone. That was a bit of a concern to me. Mm. But Werner actually was, I mean, he didn't finish the chances and there was a lot of cutting back that he was doing in that first game that he played for us. But I don't so much mind that because he was showing willing and he was running and he was trying to get the ball and he was trying to put the crosses in. And that's what we want. We want attacking football. I think when Postacogli was talking about him after the game, he was saying, you know, we he needs to learn a little bit more about our style of football and that we don't cut in, you know, cut back with the ball. We Let's run. Let's just keep going. So you get it, you run. You don't need to come back in and send it. You can just go. But he'd had two training sessions with the club before he played that match and he started the game. So now we've had this break, obviously had the, the FA Cup match. I thought, again, there were improvements there. So I don't know. I, I'm feeling... I'm feeling positive about Spurs FPL assets again because I suddenly think there's a few on the radar. Mm. Yeah, I'm uh, bought Richarlison last week, so I was thankful that he got his six goal in six. There was a, probably a slight nervousness that yeah, these these players are coming back, but uh, I don't know. I don't I think, think it will affect him. Of, don't know if that sort of form gets dropped. And no, you know, he won't be dropped. Does Brennan Johnson make way before Richarlison? Perhaps I don't know. So I think so. That's the hope. Uh, Short term. So we'll see how that goes. So yeah, so to clarify, so you're probably De Bruyne transfer. Yeah, I'm going to go Salah to De Bruyne. Definitely that one. Um, I don't think I'm going to take a hit this week unless Pep absolutely categorically comes out and says, Haaland is starting the match. Mm. Then if he says that, then I'll move for Haaland. But if he doesn't say Haaland is starting, which is what I'm expecting, I'll roll without him this week and bring him in for the weekend. Similar here. Similar in terms of one of the Man City mids now Harland at the weekend, but not expecting Pep to be open. Although yes, although he's a closed Howell book, is Pep. Worse. Oh, Eddie Howe's just as bad. <laughs> Outright liar, uh, <laughs> in a good way, of course. Um, so well, that's probably a good place to wrap things up, Sam. Unless there's anything else, it's been a pleasure to have you on. As always, thanks for your expertise, and please make sure to check out FF Community's website, which, as we say, currently has plenty of Afcon. Fantasy AFCON and Fantasy Asian Cup on there. So if you are an active manager in that, please check that website out. Give us a follow on Twitter at FFcommunity underscore. And we hope you join us next time. Thank you for listening. Bye, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.